what is visual that comes to your mind when you hear about climate change? When you hear climate change, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And you would not believe 80% of what they said was polar bears and ice caps melting. And I was just astonished, you know, um, I mean, it, I was not, I, I was astonished, but also not surprised at the same time, meaning that the narrative that we have out there with regards to climate change is very Northern. It's very global North specific, right? People think of climate change, they think of the polar caps melting and the bear, polar bears um, falling into the sea. And yes, that's important. Yes. But what about the Caribbean narrative? What about what's happening with the Caribbean with regards to, to coastal erosion, right? What's happening with the marine life and the fact that people can't, um, can't access um, fish and, and the livelihoods of the people who depend on agriculture? What about what's happening with the hurricanes that are wiping out entire islands, you know, in the case of, of what happened with, with Dominica recently? Um, I think that for me, it's just very important that the Caribbean people are able to say, okay, this is what is happening to us. And these are the stories that are, that need to be told. And it's not, it, need, it needs not be insular, meaning that the climate justice, everybody in the Caribbean just like reads about climate justice and we keep it in here. It needs to go global. The narrative, the global narrative needs to change. It needs to be more inclusive and and show what is really happening in small island developing states. And I'm, I'm not saying to just focus on the Caribbean. We're looking at Caribbean region. We're looking at the islands in the Pacific where, where entire islands, you know, are at the risk of being, you know, sunk into the sea. Welcome to a special episode of Climate Trackers. Caribbean Climate Calabash podcast. This is the mentor episode where we'll be meeting the voices that have been guiding the journalists in crafting their stories, um, the stories that you've been hearing thus far on the podcast. Today I have with me an elite team, the Caribbean Climate Tracker team joining us in their official mentor roles. So we have Dizan Billy, the regional director, have Johannes Damodar Patak, the program officer, Hippolito Novello, the Belizean mentor and journalist extraordinaire. Thank you for joining me, guys. How are you today? How was your weekend? Can I start with Dizan. Thank you. Thank you, Gladstone. Um, my weekend. To be honest, like I feel like these days I can barely remember what I had for breakfast. Um, but I think my weekend was really good because I got time to spend. Uh, I got the opportunity to spend time with my new niece, so that was fun. What about you, Polito? Hi, good morning, Gladstone. Thank you very much for the introduction. My weekend, how was it? I, I think I had one of the best weekends because what I did, I did three of my favorite things. I ate. I slept and I watched television. I watched Netflix and that was Saturday and Sunday. And I think it was much needed rest. Johannes, Kelly says. Hey everyone. Thank you very much. Hey, Polito. I had to laugh there for a bit, but um, yeah, my weekend was, it was um a weekend that I had to travel to Guyana. So yeah, it was a pretty exciting weekend because traveling is my thing. So yeah, that's about it. Back to you, Gladstone. 
Yeah, yeah, some very um, interesting weekends there for sure. All right, thank you guys. So I'll get right into it. Today we'll be discussing some topics. We'll be we'll be getting into the Climate Justice Fellowship Program. Just to kind of give you guys some ins and outs, some behind the scenes, if you will. And from the perspective of the people who put it together as well. So, but I kind of want to introduce, I want to, I want to get people more familiar um, with you guys. So I want to start with design. Could you, you know, give us a rundown of your title or titles, your professional career, give us a, a bit of, you know, tell us a bit about your experience and your passions. Yeah, I mean, if I was to sit here and just like talk about my passions for the rest of like we would be here for the rest of the day, to be honest. But and then you mentioned like my title or my titles. Well, I'm the Caribbean Regional Director and my other title is Miss and Miss Design Billy. Um, still unmarried. <laughs> but yeah, so I think my how I got into Climate Tracker was basically a couple years ago, uh, way back in 2014 when I applied for an opportunity and I, I was not selected. I went all the way down to short shortlist and I did not get selected, but I, I gave it another try in 2015 to basically report on COP21 that was happening in Paris. And I was selected and I, I was the first Caribbean person that Climate Tracker had on a team ever. And, you know, being at the COP was something amazing um it was my first cop experience and just being in the fray of it all and facing all the challenges and the ups and downs of being a cop reporter was amazing and you know i decided that i really wanted to stay and get involved more with climate tracker and eventually you know build the caribbean team at climate tracker so um, I got more involved with the comms and I would have been running the comms and marketing for Climate Tracker for a couple of years until 2022 when um, we got our first Caribbean project. And since then, you know, I've been able, I've been fortunate enough to be working with Hippolito and Johannes on building the Caribbean team and having more Caribbean journalists pass through the Climate Tracker programs like I did way back in 2015. So that's just like really my passion in terms of my work stuff and then and apart from that, I'm just really passionate about the environment. Um, I have been doing environment. I've been involved in this environmental advocacy field since I was like 14 when I started the first um, environmental club at my um, secondary school, what Americans would say high school. But um, but my, my secondary school, um, I, I was 14 and I started the first environmental club. And since then, all in university, I was involved in the different environmental clubs and and the caribbean youth environment network that's where i really really got a strong foothold into environmental advocacy and working with people across the region on building youth advocacy in the environmental sector so it's something that i'm very very passionate about and for me it's what drives me on a daily basis you know what i mean yeah, yeah, that's a long, that's a long history of of advocacy and, and interest in the space. Johannes, what about you? Yeah, so I was, I came on board in 2022, September. I was not the first choice, <laughs> but uh, I was shortlisted. And then um, eventually I came on board. My background, I have been writing since, since 2016 as a journalist in Suriname. These days I'm 
I'm a climate tracker mentoring and working on the program of the different fellowships that we that we have in the region. And where it all started for me was, you know, um, way back, um, in the in those young years, I know um the government wrote out these vacation jobs. Uh, it was a big thing in Suriname where you know you just gave up your name and you would clean up the streets, cleaning up plastic cans, everything that people just throw in the, in nature, you know, that, that clogs up all the water infrastructure. So that is where it, it, it kind of started for me, becoming aware of environment and the impact that plastics ha plastic have on our environment. And I think that is the first step that I took, you know, on a national level. From there on, I, I did different other things. As a journalist, my focus has always been climate. In uh, environment, uh, animal activism, for sure. I do a lot of voluntary work in Suriname when it comes to animals and human rights. And of course, you know, I always say climate justice is a basic human right that we have. And thanks to Climate Tracker now, I am fortunate to work together with Design and Hippolito on an international level or so regional level to do my part as a uh, activist, a journalist, training, enhancing uh, the reporting on climate change in the region. Yeah, so that's a bit, so that's it's a bit. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I'm sensing that most of us kind of have this, this sense of stewardship towards the environment at the core. What about you, Hippolyta? You know, after hearing Miss Billy and Johannes, I feel like I haven't done much in my life because <laughs> they've done so much with their professional career. <laughs> um, but um, I've been a journalist for a little bit more than 10 years. I'm a broadcast journalist. Mainly, I do some print writing as well. I joined Climate Trucker in November of last year, I believe, with the first cohort. Um, it's been an amazing experience working with uh, Ms. Billy and Johannes and, of course, reporters and journalists from the Caribbean region. As a broadcast journalist in Belize, I don't have a, a beat, so I cover everything underneath the sun. So from crime to politics, I'm more interested in politics. I'm more interested in like when documents get leaked and this massive report or, or something like that gets leaked. I love those kind of stuff. And then it was a couple of years ago when one of my friends, one of my colleagues, Andrea Polanco, went to COP. I think it was in the Paris COP. She went to the COP there. And then she started reporting on the environmental issues and climate change because at that time, we Belizeans, we never knew much about climate change. We never cared that much. The government never cared that much about climate change. And that's how I got interested more about climate change and the environment and you know, stuff like that. And with CT now, I get to learn more from journalists like yourself, Gladstones, what Jamaica is going through and how everything just across the region just is the same, but at different level difference when, when it comes to fighting climate change. I think I'm going to school, I'm going to University of West Indies, and I'm hoping, I am hoping, I'm praying so hard that I, I am done with this degree finally by early next year. So... I think that's all I'm going on in my life there, Gladstone. Yeah, yeah, well, that that definitely made me feel like I haven't done anything well. But as you spoke, though, Hippolyta, and talked about sort of learning from each other, um, how our different regions are, are, are different 
um, um, countries or islands are affected. I want to throw that question out. Um, what What is the atmosphere like when it comes to climate change in your region, the vulnerabilities, but also the awareness of it um, and, and, and sort of the attitude towards action? I know here in Jamaica, you know, the it's, as Rochelle mentioned in her podcast, I don't really need to repeat anything, but it, the, the coverage of the stories is like in the, 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 the commitment to the coverage. So you might get a one and two article here, but it's, it's nothing that will give people the impression that this thing is actually, you know, really everyday life concern. And then you know, outside of the awareness of it. You could say that, or if you want to look at NDCs and that kind of thing, some people say that Jamaica is, you know, modest and has has these goals that are, you know, for sustainability and that kind of thing. But as we all know, we our, our leadership struggles with corruption. And um, I think, in general, the, this this space of the environment, there's always that um, that element of you know people who stand to profit um, short term of of some things, and you know that creating corruption in, in a system. So outside of those things, you know, I would say we share much of the same things when it comes to weather, the storms, the vulnerability there. But I want to throw this question out to Dizan. What is what is it like in Trinidad and Tobago? What is it like in terms of the media landscape for climate reporting? Yes, and also the um, I guess just the general awareness of the public towards it, and then in terms of the attitude towards action. Yeah. Okay. So I, you see, I can get myself blacklisted for my answer for Galatso, and that's the thing. So I don't know how. <laughs> No, no, we don't. Definitely don't want that. We definitely don't want that. Let's try to be, let's try to just tip to on, you know, the fringes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I rather be honest. So the thing is that when I started off in this, like, let's say about, let's say about 10 or 12 years ago, right? Um, in terms of the climate reporting, it was so difficult, Gladstone. It was so difficult to get climate and environmental stories out there i would have been try. i used to feel like i was pulling what what is it that they say pulling teeth that, that we say that in Trinidad. Yeah. i don't know if you guys say that yeah, yeah in your country yeah, but, sure. but it was like <laughs> it was so difficult to get an editor's attention to say hey look there's an environmental story would you please publish it you know it was so difficult i used to have to i used to get more responses from like in, international um publishers would would be more open to it kind of yeah. situation um so but over the years i've seen it i've seen that you know the media houses here are eventually they started eventually to kind of break down and it's still difficult because i know even here trying to get our fellows to publish their stories locally has been a little bit difficult but it's much better it's a much better situation now than it was 10 10 years ago i remember when I was uh, reporting on that that uh, at COP21, you know, I wrote a couple stories that were what people would call um, a little bit like troublemaking um, in that, like, I remember I was looking at the stories that people don't really think of. Like, I don't want to go to COP 
and write a story that's just the government said that the minister said this, you know, and this this announcement was made and this X, Y and Z country joined yeah. an alliance like that. That means nothing for the, the, the actual person on the street who is facing climate issues. You know what I mean? So I remember trying to look for the stories that people actually where people are actually being affected and I remember writing, I don't know if I'm actually answering your, your question, Gladstone, but I remember writing this no, story about, about um, the racist undertones of COP, right? And the fact that it's kind of like, you can sort of compare it to this, um, to the colonial setting. And, and I remember the backlash I got for that story, but it was the truth, you know, it, it is the truth. So I would just say that, that since I've started, um, doing climate reporting, there have there has been progress locally, um, even regionally in certain countries. But I think in the Caribbean we still have we have a long way to go still because the climate story, the climate justice story, is so much more than saying what happened at at an event. It's much more than saying okay we have a hurricane coming and everybody be safe. Like it's so much more than that. You know, it's looking at the undertones. It's looking at the people on the ground who are facing the problems head on, you know, and not like sitting in their palaces or whatever. So for me, it's just that we have so much, we have a long way to go, but I think we still have come pretty far. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that sense as well. Like there is pr progress, but you know, there is a lot more to be done. What about you, Johannes? I'm so happy what Dizen said, Gladstone, about, you know, COP is not, always it's not only about some country joining joining the uh the alliance and everything that's around it and you know that the decisions that are being uh be, that are being taken there it's a lot more than that and we have the similar problem here in suriname too um journalists in suriname you know we would they would cover and i'm pretty sure that i'm already blacklisted <laughs> but they would cover only what's on the surface they would not dig in deeper into stories and if they do there is never a follow-up and i think that's something that the caribbean is struggling a lot with and then again i can go a whole day on on why it's like that um but there are different factors journalism journalism is for example in Syria, i'm not paid enough people cannot make a living out of it you cannot do only a job like just being a journalist and just provide your family it's it's just not possible and you know it's it's it, it's kind of like a climate justice thing they're going on too journalists always coming up for other groups vulnerable communities that are facing the impacts of climate change but in the end the journalists are also facing so much problems so much injustice and but who's looking who's looking who's having their back no one so it's it's a whole long story a whole long discussion that we can have about the reporting but in Suriname we are certainly not where we should be climate change is is just not on it's just not a priority in, in Suriname right now politics is economics is that the politics sells that sells the best here and if you have a climate change story and you have to publish it in the paper, it might end up at the in the last on the last last page of the newspaper. So 
like the Zen said, and I support her totally in that we have a long way to go, not only in Suriname, but in the in most of the Caribbean countries. And every time we do a fellowship and we, we are doing our cycle to Caribbean Justice Fellowship, we just have the proof there, you know, that we still have a long way to go when it comes to reporting on climate change in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd... Uh, I really, there's so much I want to say, too, but I'm going to pass it over to Hippolyta. Yeah, I agree with um, with what Dizan and Johannes had mentioned. Well, in Belize, the government is focused on climate change. You have a minister of climate change, you have a minister of climate change, you have a department of climate change, a unit of climate change, a director of climate change. And there, the government is actively seeking international funding to deal with the effects of climate change in Belize. In terms of the media, we, the media, understand the importance of reporting on climate change and issues related to climate change and the effects of climate change. I think Johannes Duane, one of your fellows, submitted um, his latest story, which has to do how climate change is affecting the intangible, the cultural heritage of coastal communities, like the Garifuna in Downward South. We've done stories about erosion. I've, I've personally went to the Chickabo Forest to, to deal how climate change is affecting the watershed there. We understand, reporters understand the value of reporting on climate change. Now, mind you, we don't control what get airs in terms of being the editor. That's the, that's the business of, of the company because news agencies, they're essentially a business. They're not an advocacy group or an NGO, they're a business. And what, what bleeds, leads the news. And if there is a murder that happened in Belize, that would be the first story, that would be the first black story. While a climate change that's affecting our entire community might be second or third black, depending on the images, depending on how good the story is told. And, and that's, how, that's the nature of things. We want to change that, yes, it won't, be over, it won't come overnight. But we've been trying to do, so we've been trying to do several projects. And even if it doesn't air in our, our nightly newscast, then we do social media platforms, postings, so that people can know that climate change is happening in Belize. And, and, and compared now to many years ago, people know. I don't think they know. They know things are changing. They know the climate is changing. Whether they know it's, uh, it's climate change, global warming, and the, and, the, and, and the causes of this, they don't necessarily know all the technical terms. But people know things are changing. And honestly, the people will care until they feel the physical effects of climate change. And that's what we've been trying to do. And hopefully in the next few years that the efforts and journalists in Belize, you know, they, they continue their work and it's seen, the, the impact is seen. I think it's seen, but not on the level that we want to their Gladstone. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's, it's interesting we mentioned some of the challenges that climate journalism faces in the region and it's it's commendable to keep trying because some of these are real pitfalls like things like not being able to like like johannes mentioned you won't be able to go too deep if you even do do a story they won't they probably won't give you this the space to do a follow-up you know what i mean then we have other issues like you know the data issue i heard johannes mentioned that um in a previous podcast episode the, the the data issue is like serious even for even for us as journalists because it's difficult 
I know uh, Hippolyta just mentioned in an in how um, impact on something intangible, but it's difficult to even sometimes get people to say, look at this story, let's try to publish it on X website because it's about this thing that's happening in Germany. But they might not want to look at it because there isn't data, there isn't hard data there saying this happened or this is happening or whatever to support the story. But saying all that, the next thing that I want to get into is the importance of climate journalism in our region. Why some of the impacts that we are facing are, are unjust um, and why it's important for us to continue doing this work, even though it's challenging. Well, with regards to the challenges, I think these are things that we can overcome. Um, and I know that sounds like a emancipation chant, we shall overcome, but, but really and truly, I think, you know, I'm remembering that recently I had a, I did a training session with some young people from across the Caribbean, and I was teaching them about climate communications. And in my presentation, I asked, my question was, and I threw the question out to everyone, what is visual that comes to your mind when you hear about climate change, when you hear climate change, What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And you would not believe 80% of what they said was polar bears and ice caps melting. And I was just astonished, you know. Um, I mean, it. I was not, I, I was astonished, but also not surprised at the same time. Meaning that the narrative that we have out there with regards to climate change is very Northern. It's very global North specific right people think of climate change they think of the polar caps melting and the bear polar bears um falling into the sea and yes that's important yes but what about the caribbean narrative what about what's happening with the caribbean with regards to to um to coastal erosion right what's happening with the marine life and the fact that people can't um can't access um fish and and the livelihoods of the people who depend on agriculture what about what's happening with the hurricanes that are wiping wiping out entire islands you know in the case of of what happened with, with dominica recently so um i think that for me it's just very important that the caribbean people are able to say okay this is what is happening to us and these are the stories that are, that need to be told, and it's not it need it needs not be insular, meaning that the climate justice everybody in the Caribbean just like reads about climate justice and we keep it in here. It needs to go global. The narrative, the global narrative, needs to change. It needs to be more inclusive and and show what is really happening in small island developing states. And I'm I'm not saying to just focus on the Caribbean. We're looking at Caribbean region. We're looking at the islands in the Pacific, where where entire islands, you know, are at the risk of being, you know, sunk into the sea. So these are the narratives that need to be included in 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 climate reporting. And for me, that's what's really really important. And I almost feel like I'm gonna cry, so I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's real. That's real right there. Okay, so the most memorable story I worked on with a fellow in cycle one was with a, uh, a fellow from Guyana his name is Ronald Taylor and it was about wildlife and uh, climate change because often you know when we talk about climate change we're focused on humans but the animals are are forgotten you know they cannot speak for themselves they cannot they cannot fight for themselves so I was very happy when I worked together with him on that, on that particular story because 
I am an animal activist, so that that's why it was you know so special for me, and that stories um got a lot of attention too. It was in our top three um best rock stories uh in cycle one, and cycle two um we are now in the third month of this of the of the fellowship uh, and till now I have worked on pretty exciting um stories but the most exciting one something that I had my attention was the recent story of our Belizean fellow it was Marco Lopez and he highlighted a village that tried to go solar but unfortunately because of you know it was just a, a project that was implemented but there was never a follow-up on that project that you know the batteries went went out and they could never there is just no solar energy more in 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 the village they cannot light a light in the in the village so yeah so that was the most exciting story i worked overall all of them are pretty much you know the climate justice angle if you look at all the stories uh, you would clearly see that a lot of communities are unheard and i'm very happy that through this fellowship we are giving them the platform the guidance the mentoring they need just to highlight all these vulnerable communities how about you Hippolyta? what are some of the interesting stories that you, you've come across um, throughout fellowships cycle one or two you know, Cycle One was really interesting. It was my first time dealing with reporters from across the region. Uh, they produced excellent story, and I mean, some of them throughout their six months, they had very interesting stories, and I and I learned a lot from the articles. I mean, for instance, Richardine's stories in the Bethega grass. I had no idea there was this type of grass that existed that's that's built to fight climate change. DeAndrea and her her commitment and her dedication to get her story and to make sure that she stacks along the, the prime minister of her country, their Gladstone. You're, you highlighted the, the plight of fishers years in Jamaica and how climate change is affecting them and their livelihood. And Maureen did excellent pieces on disability, uh, the people with disability and diverse abilities there is her country. Rochelle, and Rochelle showed her passion and emotion in doing her story and she understood the assignment. She understood that doing these stories could make an impact. And even if it's just one person you change, and that's good enough. Andre looking into the, the, the impacts of climate change in Belize and putting those stories out there did an excellent job. And of course, Elisha as well. Um, I didn't know much about that. And, and Elisha did a, a great job in writing her story and making sure that the subject of her stories is prominent and people understood that this is the plight and this is what needs to get done. For cycle two, there are interesting stories that, that the fellows are writing from both from three groups, from from Billy's groups, from Johannes groups and and my group. And I've been reading a couple of them. Interesting, very interesting. I would not single none of them out because I don't want to be blacklisting in their book because if they're listening to this, then I don't want I don't want them to to feel as if though I'm favoring any particular journalist or any particular story. But they've been doing good. And this month, they have unique angles to climate change. And I'll just say, just stay tuned and, and keep a lookout for these for these fellow stories, Gladstone. All right. 
sounds interesting. Uh, looking forward to that. Given the fact that we're on the second cycle now, I know you guys have other programs too. I know recently there is a resource grant. You, I, I know you guys collaborate a lot with other nonprofits as well. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of get a sense of what other projects are going on that you'd like to talk about and then what to look forward to, what listeners can look forward to, especially the ones that are listening for opportunities. Yeah, sure. So basically we, I see this work that we started in the Caribbean, a climate tracker as a genesis of so much more. I see such that I'm so happy that we've had such quick and uh, impressive you know, progress within the past year for the Caribbean team. We've managed to work with um, 30 journalists from across the region. Right now, our current cycle is representing 11 different Caribbean countries. And that's something that we did not, you know, we did not even dream was possible at Climate Tracker before. So it's something that's really, we're really happy about. Um, what you can look forward to, we have uh, right now, well, right now we're working with um, the Climate resource grantees and they will be producing uh, projects that will basically represent resources or tools that journalists and communicators can use to understand specific topics that usually tend to go underreported in the region. So we'll be launching those uh, in um, at the end of this month into September. So you can look out for those. We're also launching a Caribbean Climate Tracker website very soon. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and on that website, you know, we'll have a very buzzing community of climate reporters. That's what we want. That's what we're aiming for. And in addition to that, we will be launching another um, recruitment process for the second cycle of our climate resource grant. So you can look out for that. Um, COP28 is coming up. We're going to have a Caribbean team reporting both in person and online. Uh, we also will be launching soon a journalism awards program for the Caribbean climate reporters. So that's very exciting. And you can also look out for that. And there's just, you know, we, we just really want to also mention Open Society Foundations, which is our premier partner um, for the Caribbean work that we're doing. And we're just so happy to um, be working with them. You know, they allow us to do what needs to be done. And, um, and we're so fortunate to have them as a partner. And we have a lot coming up. So just like stay tuned that we have a newsletter that I want you to subscribe for. Um, you can find it um, on climatetracker.org and, and just stay tuned, you know, stay with us. We're always all over social media. So reach out to us anytime. Yes. Amazing. Thank you all for your time today. It was a very lively an interesting and special episode. I learned a lot about the fellowship that I didn't know before. I'm looking forward to the next cycle and all the interesting stories it will bring.